This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, and with me, Cam Rusland, today we have, um, she is a producer at BFM. She is Julian Yap. Hello, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yes, of course. And he is a return of, he is a journalist, he is a columnist, he is a teacher, and he's a father of three. He is Zan Azli. Yes, and very sexy too. And, and he is very sexy too. <laughs> and, you, and you can definitely find him on Twitter. Uh, I, I recommend that. So uh, our three topics this week are, topic number one is, well, new online experts. <laughs> and topic number two is, well, this really, this Zoom world uh, that we're, we're living in now here in uh, MCO 2.0. And finally, topic number three is good neighbors. So uh, with uh, topic number one, Julian, online experts. Yeah, uh, this is something that I got into uh, over the last year, over the first MCO, and I'm expecting a lot more 2.0, but like... Um, uh, this has definitely been something that's been going around for a while. It's existed online for a long time. And it is um, experts. Ex- I, I say experts with preface, like experts um, in areas that were typically specialist areas. So um, hairstyling, hair care, skin care, makeup. Um, these are not, it's, you know, technically education, in the, but not in the traditional sense. You know, it's not essential information. This is Um, stuff that you would have to go out to seek but basically a lot of um, experts putting their opinions online sharing their opinions their craft online Um, I think throughout the pandemic a lot of people wanting to not being able to go out but also wanting to better themselves find a way to use that time um, uh, more effectively uh, building a proper skincare routine maybe you want to go wild bleach your hair dye that you know you want to cut it but you you don't know how to cut it but also you don't have the means to visit a dermatologist to fix uh, a skin problem that you might have been experiencing your whole life or you don't know how to you've never known how to do like a real smoky eye something like that and uh, these tutorials have always existed online but I think over the pandemic they've just boomed and like I've I'm one of the people who have latched onto this not necessarily that you can see my hair is the same cam but um <laughs> i still watch these videos almost religiously every week because it feels like um a little bit of i don't know it's it feels like i'm expanding my knowledge a little bit of these little very not necessarily niche but unexplored worlds that i've never been into um so what happens is um you get these people, not necessarily um, dermatologists, you get dermatologists as well, but say you have someone who's technically a skin skincare specialist, or you get a hairstylist, and they're saying, um, well, if you want to approach, how do you create your own routine? How do you approach skincare from a beginner's perspective? Or how do you um, bleach your hair from at home with a home kit? Like it's breaking it down to basics, telling everyone how to do it. But I think the best thing for it for me is that they've done it in a way that um, is incredibly accessible, where um, in the past you've always, you know, specialist care has always felt very um, specific and also quite um, inaccessible and also a bit of a privilege. You know, you have to be in a place where you're able to afford it and able to um, visit a place I've, I've never been able to go to, you know, yeah, but, but Julian, can I ask, these are uh, things that you are learning which are 
applicable to yourself immediately, things that you can do yourself. Yeah. Have you been also doing this in, in terms of like learning about quantum physics um, <laughs> and the history of uh, uh, German-Polish affairs, for instance? So there are a bunch of them like that. I think the most famous ones being like minute physics or um, crash course physics. But you, and you've done, you've done that too then? You've I have in too. the past, but not through the pandemic. I'm not going right. to take this worldwide pandemic to use it to build my... You can, all power to you if you do, but I did not. <laughs> okay. Well, can I, can I ask uh, Zan, because uh, Zan, you are, you are actually one of these uh, experts that uh, uh, Julian mm. is uh, uh, praising. <laughs> Because you have been doing these kind of tutorials, not on on healthcare, uh, hair care, although you have lovely hair. Um, I do, I do. But yeah, I mean, you've been Johnson doing it. Johnson and Johnson's baby shampoo, not an endorsement, <laughs> but yeah, I can do. Um, that's a short tutorial. <laughs> I uh, actually I do. I I conduct workshops, especially when the first MCO started. Uh, I have been conducting workshops uh, and seminars online, uh, mainly journalism and filmmaking and a little bit of writing. Uh, but these have been under organizations uh, that have always been organizing professional workshops, mm. uh, academies and things like that. Uh, but on my own, I don't, I've never really done a, you know, tutorial videos on YouTube or on social media. Uh, but have, I know what you you're have. Talking. You I, have. I've I, watched one. You did it on uh, misinformation in, uh, in, on, in Malaysian uh, social media. Well, okay. Uh, it wasn't really a tutorial video. Uh, I think what I did was uh, I, I did a series. Uh, it was more of a news talk show where we talk about misinformation and we talk about fake news and uh, uh, we highlight, you know, stories that are in the media that's, that's, you know, that's fake or not true or how we verify it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you have. So, so, uh, so, so Julian, um, Zan here is one of those people who's quite happy to uh, and courageous enough to be able to say that he is a, an authority on something and Which step forward. Crazy cool. Crazy yeah. cool. And you said at the very beginning, in heavy quotation marks, experts. Yeah. Are you you're feeling skeptical about these people? Oh, no, there's definitely, you know, there have been instances of. Um, misinformation, you know, specialists who are also online. So we've, we're also seeing a lot of licensed specialists going online um, or teachers, someone, someone like Zan, who would be able to actually share, wait, hold on. Um, we shouldn't just be taking all of this um, as by, as gospel, you know, please do your information, look at other sources online. But um, it is also fostering that idea of there is all of this information online. There is, there are, there are all of these sources, and there are ways to get people to look at maybe the trendy version of it, but also do a little bit more research and find the experts and you know read a bit more about it. You can read all the little chemical bits about it if you want. You can go deep down into it. So uh, television is dead. Is oh, it? Yeah, forget, forget those. Yeah. Forget <laughs> when was the last time you watched TV? Uh, a TV show on a, on a TV station. I mean, I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. So, so this is the way that, that, that we're going to be learning from here on in. Yeah, it's this so real I, niche um, thing. I'd be interested to know if that is something that I get, you know, Zan, you have done things online. Cam, have you ever done? Like if you guys being experts in your own ways, in your own 
fields, would, would this ever be something that you'd want to do? Um, putting that, sharing that expert opinion with a very specific audience. I, I think, I think uh, it's very interesting to see because, because I consume some of these videos too, mm -hmm. right? And uh, as a consumer, I, I, I distinguish what is from an expert and what is from like a, a layperson, an ordinary person who's sharing the experience. And if you combine that, it's very interesting to see. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very interesting to learn from personal experience and also from, from an expert. And I've been recording a lot of my lectures since I've been having to lecture online. So I've been recording a lot of my lectures and I look back and uh, it's, it's kind of like kind of sparked in me. Like, I can compile everything and, and put it out there. And people want to watch and you can learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely playing around in my mind now. Yeah. yeah, and I too, I've, I've definitely been uh, getting in, uh, watching these things. Like, I have a fascination for like music theory, for instance. So I watch things, and, there's, and like, as I'm listening, it's like, oh, now I understand what the Dorian scale is and, and modal scales. But of course, the nanosecond it's over, I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> um, but I am toying with the idea of doing uh, a 100 part series, uh, one, one hour episodes each on why David Bowie is amazing. And. Uh. Uh, uh, like a book is in that already. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do this every week. <laughs> well, I, I could monetize it. Anyway, uh, so we, got, we move on though to, which I think is a very much a related topic, which is, um, topic number two, which is, well, we're now in COVID-19 MCO 2.0 and we three are having a conversation on uh, Zoom. Uh, but there are other technologies like this. There's Microsoft uh, Meetings. And, uh, and I guess if you're really old school, you could do Skype. And, uh, it, where, and I think that so many organizations, so many families and education is now becoming this kind of experience where we're, we're no longer able to meet face to face. And uh, instead we're, um, sorry, you just heard, so one of the downsides of this thing is we get messages while it's happening on WhatsApp and I just got a message from producer Ali saying, are you recording? <laughs> so so um, yeah, and, and we're not meeting face to face. And I'm wondering, it's been a year now, pretty much a year that we've been doing this. And I'm wondering if we're, we're beginning to find any consequences. So uh, I, I have, for instance, uh, a number of friends who are academics and they teach and they're finding it very hard to teach online. I think partly because their whole experience in education never just never geared them up for this moment. Because when you're teaching online, it suddenly becomes so much more about a performance. Uh, if, if that, I mean, they still maintain the lecture hour, it still has to be that set time. And, and then the, the lecturer is expected to put on a performance to grip the other the student's imagination. Mm. Whereas the lecturers that I know, they would, their style of teaching is much more about discussion, is conversation, and our technology here just doesn't really allow for that. And, and I know from experience in a bit of culture is that we've had to change the way that we do this because it becomes much more now about one person after the other speaking because of that lag time. And so we lose out on interjections, uh, possibilities for me to just to butt in and start doing some really good mansplaining. Julian, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> I miss it so much. Yeah. Um, and, and instead we have a series of monologues, uh, which, which is just a very different way of doing it. But I have listened to um, the similar uh, programs being done in say the UK. And I think that their internet speed is that much faster that they're able to 
to do those interjections without that kind of, I'm, I'm sorry, what did you say? No, you go first, that kind of thing. Um, so I think our internet speeds and just this technology is, is changing the way we're operating. And I wonder if organizations, and as I say, families and ed education are experiencing that. Uh, I mean, Zan, you, you have children. How's their education coming? Well, they've been having uh, online school. I have one daughter who is uh, standard three, was standard three, is going to standard four now, and one in kindergarten, and they've been having online classes. Uh, the, the, the one who's in kindergarten, five years old, is very interesting. She gets really bored staring at her teacher and her classmates on Zoom. Mm -hmm. She'll just stand there and, you know, if we don't monitor her, she'll just mute and turn off the camera and just sit there and do other stuff. You know, she, she loses interest very, very fast. Yeah, so that's, that's, a, that's a, I think for her, and she, she, she's someone who needs to meet a teacher, meet her friends in order to interact and in, in order to function. So that one has, has yeah, mm. a little bit of negative consequences with her. So, so my wife and I, we have to sit down with her and then together go through the class with her, you know, then it works. So the parents are really being given a, a heavier burden. A heavier burden and even like the teachers in the school is giving out like memos to us parents of how to handle it and you know and they are actually saying that yeah parents you need to play a more active role you've got to be there to make it more interesting for them yeah mm -hmm. and julian you're, you're in an organization how's it working out for you um for me i don't know i think just the nature of my own work it doesn't really affect it just because it is just meetings you can just have it it you know zoom does kind of take away that 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 that, that ease of, in, of immediacy, oh, I've just got a little question, can I ask? But it's also we adapted really quickly. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think it's affected me too, too much, honestly, but not because I was used to it, but because the, that's just how it is in, in my life. I, I don't do a lot of, I don't do lessons in any way. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I do know people who I've got a friend who is a teacher for kids, I think up to 50, maybe with, with special needs. And that's been very difficult, especially because it is um, that kind of teaching does require more hands-on stuff. Um, in my personal life, I've never, I didn't, I don't have anything that requires that sort of that, that necessitates that kind of thing. But it, I don't know, it kind of, it does. One thing that I don't like is that I don't want to take up too much time. So I'll, let, I'll list down every single thing, every single question I have to ask, and I'll just ask all of it in a big chunk at the end of the day, rather than, uh, oh, by the way, could I ask you this? And I think that's the one thing that bugs me the most. Yeah, I found, because I, I um, so BFM, what, what BFM did at the very beginning, before the first MCO, was to split all of the programs into two teams. And, and the, 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 we had one team in the office one week and, and you know, working at home. And so they, they haven't actually met each other for a year. Yeah. And, and what was interesting is I, I, one of the, uh, on one of the programs, uh, a young new person had joined at the very beginning and she has never met the, uh, her co-workers, <laughs> half of her co-workers. She's never actually met them. And I've been coming across this, that for young people who are starting out, if they're able to start out and get a new job, it's very bizarre because they actually never, they've never met the other people. So they've never been able to form those sort of casual conversations and, and relationships, uh, those sort of nothing conversations. Uh, and and they're, they're feeling very alienated. Um, but you know, we're, we're old timers, we don't have to worry about them. Young people, whatever. <laughs> you're, you're on your own. 
thinking, of, thinking of alienation, like um, there have been obviously teammates within BFM that I haven't met. I'm not going to speak for everyone, but in my personal experience, um, with people similarly similar in age, I think texting, being able to communicate, we got very comfortable very quickly. There were some people I, I didn't meet for six months. I met, I hugged, I didn't hug. We don't hug now. I, I waved across the room safely for the first time six months after we've, we've been talking almost a year, you know, over text for over six months. And it was strange, but I knew her really well and we could just dive into conversation. I don't know if it's a generation oh. thing, but it kind of, it just, it, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't think we adapted to it. I think we just naturally, that was the only way we could communicate. Well, actually, if I, if I could just jump in uh, and do another long monologue. Um, the, <laughs> uh, but did Zoom, I can do that. Uh, actually, the, the people who kind of invented this texting thing were the Finnish with Nokia back in the day. And the Finnish are famously taciturn people who don't like to have conversations. They're not huggy, touchy-feely people. And for them, uh, courtships, etc., whilst texting was like fantastic because you didn't have to make a conversation, but you could still put over information to people you, you didn't meet. So perhaps we're all becoming like that, or young people are just sort of devolving into that world. I don't know. I mean, Zan, do you, do you think that, uh, well, you're teaching, how the hell do you teach? Here's what I want to add to it is that, uh, so I teach at universities and colleges and all that. And uh, these, the students are in their late teens, early twenties. Um, when we started online classes, they were very, very upset because they wanted physical interaction, not just in class, but with their friends. You know, they have, they, they, they really crave for that. Uh, I mean, we, we talk about how the young generations text and all that, but no, all, almost all of my students said that they actually want to meet their friends. They want to go out uh, and they're tired of just being on social media. You know, uh, so that's one thing that they, they, they say. And when we first started class two, um, uh, like your friends, Cam, you were saying your friends who were academics, you said it was a little bit difficult trying to teach. Uh, in the beginning, it was a little bit difficult. Uh, but as we went along, uh, students started to adapt. I started to adapt. Uh, and I found that the students became more personal, more individualistic. And uh, they wanted to interact uh, when we were having online classes. And as a teacher, uh, they kind of enjoyed it when, you know, they see my workspace, my home my room, you know, before we start class, I'll tour the house and show them where I keep my pet snake, you know, see where my daughter, you know, eats breakfast. And they're like, oh, they're really happy. And then everybody starts talking and everybody starts like interacting on a very personal level. And then we start teaching and then we start talking about the class and everybody is like, becomes more engaged, even, you know, compared to physical classes. Really? So and how, me, how online classes have been really great. But how big are your classes? Uh, it ranges. Uh, there are classes that are really small with like three, four people to up to like 30. Wow. And also, yeah. I, I've noticed that, that there's the conversation, the verbal conversation that we're having right now. But also, you can have the text conversation on the side. Um, yeah. So you're having layers of conversation. You can have individual conversations just targeted at one person as opposed to the whole group. But yeah. uh, so, Julian, you've finished your education now. But if yeah. you think back and you imagine if a whole year, at least one whole year of your, your, your tertiary education mm -hmm. had been spent like this, how would that have been? How would you have ended up as a student, do you think? I'm, I, so I've got a sister still in uni and I do, um, I do talk to her quite often. And 
you know, she hasn't seen any, she's got group projects to do and she hasn't seen people for, for months. And that, I think that's crazy. Um, not being able to access material that you'd need, I think is ridiculous. Um, uh, asking people to pay fees when you don't actually have um, access to facilities is, is crazy, of, of, of course, crazy. But um, I, I hated participating in class. You know, I never wanted to, um, and I always thought that my opinion wasn't worth putting up my hand for. Um, but, you know, on Zoom, even send a little message. Your voice can still be heard in some way. Um, it's not something that you've got to keep in your keep in your hand and walk out of the room with. And I think I would have enjoyed that a lot more um, if I were still in education today. Um, I don't know. Actually, a lot of my education, was a lot of my uni was online. Um, it, all of the lectures were recorded and I did get to go back over them. Um, it, not in the same way, of course, but um, same. So, same, you, same, so yeah. you would have, really, you would have liked this. You would have preferred it. I think so. I think I'm not a physical, I'm not a, I don't want to be in the same room sort of person. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> this works to, fine for me. Sure, you don't have to tell me twice. Uh, <laughs> when, when the vaccine comes, you know, just wave across the room to you, whatever. <laughs> um, and Zan, I just, I really wish that you'd been my teacher back in the day. Yeah. Your snake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i might i might actually have like learned something and come out with some kind of qualification damn it uh -huh. well you know you know you know you know all my students say that i'm the, their favorite lecturer everywhere <laughs> <laughs> uh not just sexy also the best teacher okay well, it, it, in a moment we're going to find out more about the best teacher in the world Zan Asli, and his neighborhood here on a bit of culture bfm 89.9 and we're back with myself, Cam Raslan, Julian Yap, and Zan Asli. And now, topic number three, uh, Zan, good neighbours. Yeah, good good neighbours. I live in a residential area somewhere in the Klang Valley. And I've been living here for about, wow, how old is my eldest daughter? She's nine. So I've been living here about eight, nine years. Uh, and I have not known any of my neighbours. I only know my immediate neighbour on my right and my immediate neighbour in front of my house. And that's all, right? Uh, but uh, since the pandemic started and the MCO, there was a shutdown. And after the MCO, there was a CMCO. Uh, suddenly, the kids in the neighborhood started going out to play. At first, it was just individual houses and they would go play just in front of their gates. And then slowly, other kids would come out. And then these kids would start react, uh, you know, act, uh, interacting with each other. My kids saw it. They started going out, interacting with these kids. And then suddenly, it's like uh, the whole street is just kids playing everywhere in the evening after 4.30. It's like just kids playing everywhere. And, and when the kids started playing, the adults started going out, right? And then slowly, the adults started interacting with each other. And now we're all like this big neighborhood. We were like a big community, like really, really close friends, you know? And uh, we've, uh, we, we, we help each other buy groceries. We, uh, we, we chit-chat every evenings. Um, recently in Christmas, we had a Christmas street potluck where everybody came with food and we ate together. Uh, we helped take care of our, each other's kids when somebody has to go and run errands. Uh, we have a WhatsApp group. So when the kids go out now, the parents, we don't really care because each parents in the group will just say, oh, the kids are now at my house. Oh, they're moving over to the other house, you know? So everything's, you know, it's, it's really nice. And now I know all of my neighbors by their first names, you know, and we can, we, we actually really have real conversations. And I think this is something that I'm really happy about. I mean, we're not happy about the pandemic, but this came about because of the pandemic. I think because a lot of people was lacking that social interaction, you know, 
And uh, yeah, so so I don't know. Do you guys uh, have you guys experienced that in wherever you live? Yeah, Zan, that's amazing. And just say everything about you is bloody amazing. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Julian, what, what about your neighborhood? Uh, honestly, like Zan must live in a different place where we love our teachers and we <laughs> put snakes in the house and we all play outside because here nothing happens. I still remain where I, I know the one in front of me and the one next to me, but that's it. I, no. I, don't, I wish I had this. Well, well, it was like this for the last eight years that I've been living here. Mm-hmm. Well, we, well, we, uh, I mean, uh, we, we have actually, I, I, sorry, so just to be clarified, you are, you live in a house. I live in a house in a, right. in a double story terrace house. Yes. Right. Right. Cause I live in a condominium and my wife has recently started with some other people, a, uh, edible garden oh. and, and, uh, quite a few people have joined and it is a growing community and I have gotten to meet the neighbors and they're very nice people. Um, What's very different, I think, from our condo and your place is that generally we don't really have many children here. So what's happened is that it was a children-led uh, rebellion and, and the, the, the parents follow. And I'm wondering, what about uh, people on, the, on your street who don't have kids? Are they also part of this uh, revolution? Actually, yes. Uh, there is a, a few houses with like, uh, there's this one house, a uh, few houses down my house. Uh, it's a, an elderly couple. I think that their kids are all grown up working with their families of their own. So they're staying, this, this is the two of them. Every evenings now, they'll pull out chairs and sit outside of the gate and just watch the kids play. And then I'll be walking with my wife, the, my youngest boy who's just learning to walk. And we'll stop and we'll chit chat and you know, they will talk about how, oh, when they first saw my son, he couldn't walk. He was in a stroller. Now he's like, you know, <laughs> falling all over the pad road with like, you know, knees bleeding and all that. So, yeah, actually people who don't even have children are coming out. Okay. And uh, it's That's amazing. Yeah, it's, but it really yeah. does. But what you tell me actually really reminds me of our, my own childhood in the 1970s. Um, mm. We were like that then. And mm. when I was growing up, first of all, in Malaysia in the 60s, we were like that. And then I moved to England and it was like that. But then... Uh, by the 1980s, it was changing. And, and, you know, there was that suspicion of each other and predators, danger, danger. I mean, are you not part of that? Haven't you, haven't you been reading the news, Zan? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, when I was growing up in, in the 80s and all that, it was like that too. Uh, and then as I got, you know, became a teenager, then slowly that kind of culture just disappeared. Uh, so this kind of reminds me of when I was in kindergarten, when I was in primary school and my parents knew the neighbors and all that. It's, it's just like that. And, you know, we've been exchanging dinner dishes even. All right, stop, stop. That's enough. <laughs> that, no, that's enough. No, I've heard enough. <laughs> uh, it's ju- too ju- calm now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Julian, I mean, is, is, have you ever in your life had anything like that? No, that's the thing. I'm thinking of whether I ever had that. And um, probably the biggest thing in my childhood was when 9-11 happened, that was the biggest news and, you know, SARS, you didn't want to go out and you didn't want to, um, I mean, parents, parents didn't want you to go out and get those germs or, you know, don't speak to strangers and stuff. I barely knew the kids in, I, in my neighborhood. I don't know any of them in, in now at all. Um, but I was thinking, my dad knows everybody on the street and the next street. My mom knows them. Um, she, she exchanges dishes with her neighbor next to her and behind. Um, but we, I don't hear. For me, the closest person lives maybe, a friend of mine lives 10 minutes away. And if I have to send, if I prepare, if I, you know, bake a loaf of bread and I want to send it over to him, I'll, play, I'll pay that grab 
um, delivery fee for it to be sent over to him. That is that is my network around me rather than this neighborly network. And I don't know if it's um, a generation thing and I, or I don't know if it's how I've, I've been brought up. This is my experience, of course. I don't know if that's because of my parents. I, I don't know, Julian. It sounds to me, I'm afraid to say this, it might just be you. It <laughs> might be me. I just really want to make your, friends. Because your parents seem to be doing okay. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Like the idea of borrowing like a cup of sugar, you know that old cup yeah. of sugar, borrowing mm. an egg? Mm. I, I never think of that. I never think I could go to a neighbor to ask for that. That kind of neighborly thing. I don't have that in my. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just got a shot alarm. Yeah. I don't believe yeah. this is real. I can't I'm, believe I'm, this has happened. I'm so happy for you. I'm, 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 I'm with Julian on that. I wonder if it's actually true. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go stalk you. I'm gonna go to your your street. Um, come over. And, you can come over to me. No, I, and I wonder if there's nobody there, just a ghost town like everywhere else. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like he just made it all up. Just a couple but, of old old people sitting out there. Yeah, Bazan, um, can I ask you? Actually, uh, for the listeners, if you guys don't believe me, you go to my Instagram account. You can see pictures of our potluck and the kids playing, doing you know secret Santa. You can yeah. All right, all right. But but Zan, in all seriousness, though, this is COVID nineteen time. Uh, aren't you a bit worried about mm. kids going around being vectors for, you know, disease and stuff? Well, this all happened uh, when we were allowed to go out. Uh, during the MCO, the tight lockdown, nobody was going out. Uh, so it started uh, during the CMCO. So they were actually discussing, oh my God, what are we going to do? Are we going to let our kids out and all that? So uh, there's been a little bit of discussion. Um, we might restrict them a little bit. Uh, well, we don't know, you know, with kids. They'll find their way out on their own. But yeah, there has been talk among the parents of how to, you know, control this next two weeks. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, Zan, I got to say, and I think I, I think I speak to Julian here. I mean, on the one hand, we're very skeptical. <laughs> yeah, like this can't work. This can't be successful. <laughs> but but also, inner dishes. Oh. Yeah, but also very happy for you. I wish <laughs> I wish the whole world was like this. And maybe it is. Actually, I, I would add though that I grew up like that, and then. Um, we moved house. We moved to an area that was much more proper middle class, mm-hmm. and then it stopped. Uh, uh, there was this sort of like class kind of thing. It's like oh, we don't do that here. Right. Uh, a real kind of stigma, and and there weren't enough kids either at my age. Yeah. Um, so uh, well, that's amazing, Zan. Well done, and we're going to move now to uh, the final part of the show: recommendations. We recommend something that we think might be of interest. I guess one of the recommendations would have to be move to Shah Alam and find out where Zan Asli lives. <laughs> Make some friends with your neighbors, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Julian, you go first. So, I'd like to recommend um, an animated film that um, I think is one of the best animations I've seen, maybe in the last two years. Um, which is Wolf Walkers. It's just come out on Apple TV, I think. I don't, yeah, Apple TV. And um, it's by the animation house uh, Cartoon Saloon. So in the same way that we revere Studio Ghibli, the Cartoon Saloon is the Irish, the biggest Irish animation house. Um, in the past, they've done amazing films like The Breadwinner, um, others, like uh, Children of the Sea, I think, which are amazing. But Wolf Walkers is their latest output. Um, it, I think it premiered at ANSI Film Festival last year and it finally came out in December. And it's about, um, it's inc- incredibly rooted in Irish tradition um, and stories. And it's about this girl and her dad, dad voiced by the incredible Sean Bean or Sean Bon, 
or seen been. And um, <laughs> he, um, the dad is, he basically works for Oliver Cromwell. And he's been brought, they've been brought, um, this girl and her dad, they've been brought over to Ireland to clean up the place, make it better for the, for the crown, for the country, you know. Um, and along the way, uh, um, part of that is to clear the woods of wolves, because wolves are seen as these evil spirits that come to terrorize the town, eat your people, eat your food. And um, while doing that, she meets this, she meets this pack of wolves and, to, and a little, a, a young girl like her, who is a wolf walker. Um, basically someone who can turn into a wolf and the story goes from there the animation is so beautiful it's completely hand drawn it's hand animated it's incredible the voice acting is great the story isn't terribly confusing that a kid wouldn't be able to watch it but it is also complex enough that you can recognize um you know parts of colonialism and you know stuff that you typically wouldn't see in a, a kid's film yeah that sounds amazing it's cool. Yeah, what's it called again? Wolf Walkers. Wolf Walkers. Did you think? Do you think uh, you and your your kids would enjoy it, Zan? That sounds pretty cool to you. Probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Wolf Walkers uh, on a on a legit service called only Apple. legit services here. Yeah, only legit services. <laughs> Apple something or other. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Well, well, my recommendation is a book. Um, I, I saw somebody mention it on the on the internets, and I immediately ordered it on Amazon. Ooh. I don't do that very often, but I had to get this one. <laughs> uh, it's it's called One Two Three Four by Craig Brown, and it's about the Beatles. Um, uh, you know, I've I've read quite a number of books on the Beatles, and I know the history back to front. There's a fantastic book called Shout, one of the early biographies. <laughs> Oh, you know, what could you possibly, what more could you learn? And the great thing about this book, one, two, three, four, is it talks about really in very short chapters, which are just really little impressionistic essays. Uh, it talks about, yes, the Beatles, but also about their times and the people around the Beatles. Mm -hmm. And it's just a, the lunacy of, of it all. And uh, because of so much with the, these phenomena like Beatlemania or, or even a war or something, it, you know, it's not about say the leadership, really the people who really experience it are the, the fans or the, the victims at the bottom of the scale. They're the ones who really experience Beatlemania. And so this book sort of looks at all of those people as well as the, the people at the top of the tree and the kind of just the strangeness of it all. And um, it's really good. One, two, three, four, Craig Brown. <laughs> I, I can't recommend it enough. If you're a fan of the Beatles, um, you've got to read it. And even if you're not, I suggest it would be, I, I could make a hundred part. Season uh, <laughs> <laughs> two. One hour episodes, 100 parts on, on the Beatles. And there'll be a market. You're going to have to watch it. <laughs> Sounds cool. Uh, if there was a book about the monkeys, I'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> you, do, do you mean actual actual monkeys in trees or the band? <laughs> the band monkeys. <laughs> are you, are you, you a fan? You a fan? No, not really. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because they are mentioned in the book quite a few times, actually. Um, uh, no, no, they were mentioned in a book uh, about David Bowie that I just read, <laughs> uh, which will be part of my uh, 100 episode lecture series. <laughs> so, uh, Zan, what's your what's your recommendation? Uh, I'm a little bit late into the game, and I think a lot of people already know about it, but I've only just uh, been exposed to it. It's, it's a series. It's a series on, uh, on, on Netflix, and it's called uh, a Designated Survivor. 
I'm sure you've heard of it. It's mm-hmm. Kiefer Sutherland, Calpen. Uh, I, uh, it's been around for a while, but I, my wife and I have only started watching it now. And um, it's very idealistic. And sometimes you watch it, it's like, this is nonsense. No politician is really, you know, this clean and has integrity. Uh, but yeah, it's about this guy who is, uh, you know, a very lowly cabinet member in the US government. He is the designated survivor. The Capitol gets bombed. Everybody dies. All the congressmen, congresswomen, all the cabinet, president, vice president, all dies. He becomes the president and he has to rebuild the government, right? Uh, and I find it really, really interesting because uh, they're facing a crisis, and when he had to rebuild the government, this is in the first season, he had to rebuild the government uh, and they had to have fresh elections for all the Congress people. Um, everybody declared themselves as independent to be in solidarity with him to show that there is, you know, unity and no political factions. You know? And I'm looking at Malaysia right now and we're like, oh, don't we deserve a unity government where everybody just sets everything aside and, you know, focus on what's really important. Uh, and I was just hopping on to everybody. I was telling everybody, you got to watch this show. Malaysia needs to be like this. Malaysia needs to be like this. And then Monday came and then Tuesday came and it was an emergency. And okay, that's it. <laughs> But yeah, recommending a designated survivor. <laughs> uh, you're an idealist. Uh, you're so naive. You're so naive. <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've seen I've seen this program around. I've not actually heard anybody. Rec- I mean, just I haven't come across it. So, Julian, have you seen a designated survivor? I've seen it pop up. I think my dad watches it. I saw Kiefer on. This is on me. I saw Kiefer Sutherland, and I thought it was just another twenty-four. That's what ah. I thought. That's what yeah, I thought. Like the yeah. bombing and all of that. Yeah. Oh, the opposite character yeah. is this, you know, very humble, very, <laughs> yeah. It sounds yeah. like what the West Wing is today for today's audience, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, West Wing. <laughs> but the US Capitol kind of like blowing up and everyone dying, that could never happen. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, just, that's just fiction. So, okay, designated five. Can I ask you one final question, Zan? If our, uh, either of our two listeners wanted to replicate uh, your Shah Alam magical community. Um, <laughs> how how would uh, what, you know? What would be the best thing? Just send your kids out and have them. Yeah, kids can do the job. They can be the investors. <laughs> That's what happened here. The kids just became friends, and yeah, yeah. Send your kids out. You got no kids, then <laughs> Alamak, sorry lah. <laughs> send your yeah. kids out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, well, you just <laughs> listeners. <laughs> You just heard one of the uh, one of the the Shah Alam revolutionaries. The ambassadors for change. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> very friendly, very friendly child. Okay, so well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode, and I think we've all learned something, which is uh, you don't want to live next to Julian Yap because never, <laughs> I'll never know you, and you'll never get sugar from me ever. <laughs> right, and if you want a quiet time, don't li- don't go live next to Azan Asli and his kids either. But if you want vegetables and edible fruits, and ed- yeah. garden, go to Cairns. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty early at the moment. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see. So, uh, well, that brings us to the end of uh, this week's show, and uh, just remains me now to thank uh, Julian Yap. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Azan Asli. Hey, thank you. And myself, Karen Roslin. And so please join us next week for another exciting episode of A Bit of Culture here on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9.
the business station.